It's time for cookies and crime listener stories. I'm your host, Karen T, and welcome back to another episode of Cookies and Crime. This is our fourth listener stories on the podcast, which means I've been doing this for about four months now, which is insane to think about. If you're still listening, if you're just listening now, thank you for being here. Guys, my current rating on Spotify right now is a 4.9 star with 398 reviews, which is amazing. Thank you so much if you have reviewed already. If you haven't, I want to hit at least 400 reviews. So if you haven't yet, please go in there and review honestly, but please give me, you know, give me a good number. (laughs) I'm going to be sharing a mixture of paranormal stories and true crime stories in this episode. But before that, I'm going to try some baked goods. And I say that because I don't have a cookie this time. This is going to be more like pastries and paranormal. I went to a Filipino bakery and they only had chocolate chip cookies, which I've covered before. And so I wanted to try something else. So I have an ube scone and two, I already forgot what they're called. God, They're called ensaymadas. They kind of look like a muffin or just like a pastry. One has ube in it and one has cheese on it, which I'm super excited about. First, the scone. That tastes like childhood. I love that subtle ube flavor. If this was heated up and I had some butter with it, oh my God, I would be in heaven. Now I'm just gonna try the cheese ensamada. I honestly think it could use a little bit more salt to kind of balance the sweet and saltiness of it. But overall, it's good. I would give that like a six and a half out of 10 and I would give the scone an eight out of 10. If you're ever in Portland, Oregon, definitely check out St. Barbara Pinoy Bakery. It's such a cute little bakery and the woman there was so nice. And now let's get into some listener stories. This first story is true crime and it's sent in by Abby. Abby says in 2008, a Nicholas Browning, a week away from being 16, came home from his friend's house on a Friday night in February. He shot his dad on the couch and went upstairs to kill his mom and two younger brothers. After committing the crime, he walked back to his friend's house and continued on the night like nothing had happened. He was driven back home the next day by his friend's dad and when he got inside, acted as though his dad was just unresponsive. His friend's dad called 911. A bit later, Nicholas confessed to the police and revealed the location of the murder weapon. He was given multiple life sentences. Then, 15 years later, on Nicholas's birthday, the house was in the news again. A 911 call was made to the house for a suspected suicidal person who was in possession of a rifle. This rifle should not have been in the house as the possession of firearms violated the father's parole. The cop showed up at the house and the son shot a cop with the rifle and fled the scene. There was a 36-hour manhunt for him resulting in two cops being shot and a cop car being hijacked by the suspect. He was eventually caught in a wooded area near a park. These two events have nothing to do with each other, but people say the house is cursed. So I don't know if Abby is involved in any way with any of these cases, but it may be because Marilyn is her home state or this happened near her town or in her town. But that's either a crazy coincidence or not a coincidence at all that both of those things happened in the same house. This kind of reminds me of the Amityville horrors because that's kind of what happened too where 
the guy who murdered his whole family was hearing voices and then a family had moved in and even though history didn't really repeat itself, the parents became super abusive. And I do believe that that kind of energy can linger in a house. If something really dark happened there, I mean, you've just created like a dark cloud in that house. And I'm sure if you don't try to properly like clean it or cleanse it, that stuff is going to stick around. I do think that certain energies in a home, if you're around it long enough, it can make you sick, it can make you anxious, sad, depressed, angry. I don't even think it's necessarily a haunting. I kind of see it as when something explodes or like bursts into flames and there's smoke, that smoke is like the effect from the cause and it lingers for a little bit. So Nicholas Browning murdered his family because he claims that his father was abusive, but the prosecutor said that he was just a bratty teen who didn't want his dad telling him what to do, and that he also killed his younger brothers because he didn't want to share the inheritance. Either way, he's in jail, but he could potentially be paroled by 2031 if he has good behavior. See, things like this make me really don't understand life sentences because he had multiple life sentences. At the same time, he could potentially be free in a few years. Just make it make sense to me. I don't know. All I know is I could never live in a house knowing that a whole family was murdered there or someone was ever even shot there. I'm looking at the house and it's you know, a beautiful house and it's very large. So I feel like a lot of people, if that house was on sale and it was discounted, they would still go for it. But I'm telling you now, just save yourself the trouble. Don't buy a really nice big house just because it's cheap because I swear you're, you're gonna have roommates. Whether you see them or not, you're gonna have roommates. Squatters, more like it, invisible squatters. The next story is a paranormal one and it's sent in by Jojo. It's titled, Grandma's Visit. Jojo says, Back when I was around 10 years old, my grandma tragically passed away due to breast cancer. She passed away in her rocking chair that she would always sit in. While she was passing over to wherever you go after you die, she never left her chair. And her golden chihuahua never left her lap. After her passing, the dog never left that chair. The grief was hard. I would sit on my bed crying at night. The first time she paid a visit to me was in a dream. When I first showed up in my dream, I was in her house sitting in front of her chair that she passed in. While she was alive, she would always tell us stories and stuff in that chair while me and my sister would sit in little Mickey Mouse chairs that we would place in front of her chair. In the dream, I was sitting in a Mickey Mouse chair while my grandma was in her chair. She was saying, I miss you so much and tell your sister and dad that I love them too. My sister and dad did not believe in spirits, while me and my mom do. She said that she was not able to pass into my sister or dad's dream. I believe only those who believe in spirits are able to contact them. But when I asked her what heaven was like, my dream like glitched out. And she looked at me and said, I'm sorry baby, but I can't talk about the H word. It's a rule up there. She said, I love you, goodbye, and walked out the room. When I woke up, I felt like I was safe and warm. My mom told me about a dream she had with my grandma and she had really long hair. She would always talk about how she hated short hair, but her chemo for her cancer made her bald or have short hair. And in the dream, she was on the bed doing backflips. And my grandma said to my mom, sorry it took so long for me to visit. There's a new guy working up here. 
and my mom tried to ask what heaven was like too, but got the same result of her dream glitching out. Outside of dreams, the last time I was at her house after her passing, I woke up around midnight and saw her chair rocking back and forth. But the most recent thing that happened was last night I woke up to my normal sleep paralysis and saw a flash of white light in the corner of my room and smelt her perfume. I felt like someone was stroking my hair and felt a kiss on my forehead, then woke up. But instead of feeling scared, I felt a sense of relief and happiness and felt like I was protected. And still, I can smell the linger of perfume in my house. I always say this, but I truly love these stories because yes, the paranormal could be really creepy and scary, but you get moments like this too where you're just like, oh my god, there is something after we die. People are still here watching us. It's so beautiful. And I wonder what it is when spirits can't infiltrate someone's dreams, like someone who's not a believer. Like, do they see a door into the brains of believers? Is there no door when it comes to non-believers? Like, what is it where they like physically cannot go into someone's dream? I've actually had an encounter with my grandma who has passed and it's just really weird to experience what you believe is the paranormal because when you hear other people talk about it, like a part of you is always a little skeptical or at least that's what happens with me. But it's just so weird to think that you experienced it for yourself. But anyway, I was in Italy by myself. I was doing a solo trip for like five weeks. And I'm actually terrified of sleeping by myself. So that trip, I barely slept. I got sick so many times because I was not sleeping. I was in this hotel room and I was having trouble sleeping. And when I'm really scared and by myself, I trigger sleep paralysis, which is the worst thing to have to like go through when you're already terrified of being alone. And this one was really strange because I felt like I saw a shadow kind of right by my bedside it wasn't like just a full smooth shadow it was like it was like pixelated gray matter just kind of over me not really in the shape of a human but still like the height and the thinness of a human if that makes sense and i heard my grandmother and she said in vietnamese and she said my vietnamese name which is twee she was like twee what are you doing here until this day, that kind of freaks me out because it wasn't even like my grandma was trying to visit me. I was visiting her. I didn't see her. I just heard her. And it just made me think like, did I go somewhere? Did I go somewhere else? Even though I was physically awake, just couldn't move my body and I was seeing this hotel room. I was hearing my grandma asking me why I was there. It wasn't even like a comforting experience being like, oh, I'm here with my grandmother. No, my grandma was legit like, what are you doing here? You're not supposed to be here. Sorry, I think I was screaming into the mic. But I wasn't that close with my grandmother either. So I'm not really looking for her to like infiltrate my dreams. But Jojo, I'm so happy that you got to experience this with your grandma. And the fact that your mom experienced the same thing. I feel like when that happens, it's like you know for sure that this was not just a dream. Like she was actually visiting you guys and I love that for you. This next story is the case of April Tinsley. So it's a true crime case and this one is pretty wild. This story was sent in by Maddie. 
Maddie says this is a true crime story based in the city I was born in. On Good Friday in 1988, a young eight-year-old girl was murdered, sodomized, and discarded on the side of the road near Fort Wayne, Indiana. April Tinsley was walking home from a friend's house who lived just down the block from her mother's house. She never made it back to her mother's house, and when she did not arrive back by dinner, her mother called the police. Police launched a search and a hiker found the girl's body in a ditch on the side of the road with her clothes on awkwardly and missing one shoe. They found the other shoe further down the street near a shopping bag containing a sex toy. Later in the case, witnesses reported seeing a blue truck with a man in his mid-30s trying to force a girl into his truck. Two years later, with still no leads in the case, a report from a farmer finding a cryptic message scrawled out on his barn states, I kill eight-year-old April Mary Tisley. I will kill again. The killer spelled her last name wrong, as well as had a few grammatical errors in the writing. The police continued to find more leads, with nothing popping up. Years later, little girls in the Fort Wayne area began receiving strange notes on their bikes, with horrid images of a man naked waist down and used condoms with notes reading things such as, Hi honey, I been watching you. I am the same person that kidnapped and raped and killed April Tinsley. You are my next victim. If you do not report this to the police and I don't see this in the paper tomorrow or on the local news, I will blow you yoy. So I'm reading it just as the person has written this and so obviously there are a lot of grammatical errors. Police collected DNA from the used condoms but still came up with nothing. Now fast forward to May 2018. I'm working my high school job as a cashier at Walmart in Kendallville, Indiana when they call an emergency meeting. They found April's killer and he was our co-worker. We were told not to speak to the press or to other employees about their recent discovery. Due to recent DNA advancements, they could make a photo of what the killer most likely looked like now. And after a few family members were called, they narrowed down their search to John D. Miller. After testing DNA with items found in his trash, they got a positive match. Miller admitted to the crimes and was sentenced to 80 years in prison. This story always chills me knowing I was working side by side with this man for years and not even knowing it. This is a message for anyone who may be listening. You cannot trust everyone. Who knows, your neighbor, friend, or even coworker could be a murderer. This email sends chills down my spine because this is so freaky. There's just something about inappropriate sexual male behavior that freaks me the fuck out. I think honestly, out of everything, when it comes to true crime, this type of stuff just makes me irate and I hate men who have done this to girls or women. Maddie also included photos of what was written on the farmer's barn and one of the letters that John D. Miller gave to one of the girls. And the fact that he writes like he is in the sixth grade just makes all this even creepier. You have to be absolutely sick, sick, sick in the head if you leave used condoms on a little girl's bike. Like there has to be something mentally wrong with this man 
if he is able to do that. Like, I want to see a brain scan of this man because what is going on? I also want to know what he went through through his childhood because I feel like there has to be something there for you to be this twisted. But also the fact that DNA advancements now can create a photo of what you potentially look like, that is nuts. I wonder how accurate it could actually get. Like I would want to see my DNA scanned into like a photo, but at the same time, I'm not trying to share my DNA with companies. Like that's why I've never done a 23andMe, but also I'm like, 99% sure I am 100% Vietnamese. I think advancing in technology in this way makes so much sense, not so much AI. I feel like we should be putting a lot of the focus onto medical advancements and like DNA advancements like this. I'm gonna have to take a shower after this recording now because this case just makes me feel so dirty. But thank you Maddie for sharing your experience and I'm so sorry you had to be that close to that man. This next story is sent in by Rainbow Raccoon. They didn't leave a name, that's just the name on their email. And this is The Haunted Hotel. Rainbow Raccoon says, this story comes from my dad, not me. My dad was on a business trip in Missouri and he stopped in a hotel for the night. He got the key to a room 107. Immediately after stepping into this room, he got a terrible migraine Thinking nothing of it, he took some ibuprofen and got ready for bed. While he was brushing his teeth, he heard some knocking at the door. He went to go check the door and of course, no one was there. A little creeped out by this, he decided to go to bed. And about 10, maybe 20 minutes into lying in bed, he felt something touching his feet. He got out of bed immediately to check the room and mattress, but found nothing. He went back to bed and about 20 minutes later again, he felt something touching him. This carried on throughout the night. In the morning, he was telling a coworker about the weird experience he had last night. And the front desk lady must have overheard because then she said, I see you met our little friend. Absolutely not. Absolutely not, lady. I want a refund because I should have been told that I was going to be sharing this room. That's where the story ends. So I assume it was a ghost and not some vagrant who happened to just like be living in the walls, but who knows? I think it's really interesting to think about the perspective of the front desk lady who hears this story and knows what goes down in this hotel. And she's just like, oh yeah, that's just our little friend. And she probably knows like it's harmless. But to someone who was just trying to get some sleep in a room and hears some lady say, oh, you met our little friend, how creepy would that be? I would get goosebumps all over. I may vomit. I would need to hear every single detail. Like, what did I experience last night? What touched me? I also feel like hotels that are super haunted and known to be haunted, they always have like a quirky ghost. You know, like some have like the sad woman, some have like kids playing around and then there's always that like really weird freaky ghost who likes to like mess with people like oh don't worry that's just george he likes to mess with you and he likes to tickle people's feet don't even worry about it but that type of touching is just a little too close for comfort because your feet are underneath the sheets like i don't want to be touched i don't want to be felt when i have sheets above me because are you in my sheets that's just super creepy to me. I also feel like 
if your hotel is haunted, you don't necessarily need to tell people. But if you have an active room, I feel like you should tell people because some people might not be really okay with that. Like if I were alone in hotel room, actually, I don't know because I feel like that would be kind of cool to experience. But at the same time, I would be so freaked out and I would not get any sleep. Well, thank you, Rainbow Raccoon, for sending in your story. And I hope your dad doesn't have any paranormal trauma coming from this experience. This next story is also paranormal and it's sent in by Jade and it's titled The Little Girl in My Closet. Jade says, Hi, my name is Jade and this story happened about a week ago. So one night I was laying down in my bed and decided to turn the light off and go to bed. As I was falling asleep, I saw a little girl in my closet. My closet doesn't have a door so I could see in there. I got up and turned on the light because I was scared and I decided to try to sleep it off. Then I heard a voice say, Psst, wake up. And it kept on repeating till I just gave up and got out of bed. I went into the bathroom with my phone and stayed there for what felt like seconds, but I was in there for about an hour. I got out and I had a feeling to check my phone. As soon as I unlocked it, an email came up. I checked it and it read, I'm coming for you. I threw my phone against the wall and cried myself to sleep. The next morning, I told my mom about it and she said that when me and my brother were at school, she saw a little girl come out of my room. She thought it was me, but then she remembered I wasn't home. So now I pray every night and I've been okay. And that's my story. I would never be able to sleep in that room again. Seeing a full apparition in your room, in your closet without a door, I, I would never recover. This type of story is also the reason why I would rather sleep next to a door where a physical intruder could come in rather than sleep next to the closet because to see a little girl in a closet is one of the top most terrifying things that could ever happen in my life. And that might sound sad because I'm a 30 year old woman and I'm still afraid of a little girl ghost in my closet. But am I the only one that finds it really freaky when you're in a room without a door into another room that gets really dark when you sleep? Just like if you were to have a closet in your room and there was no door, like it just looks like darkness in there. That's really scary to me. I recently went to look at this house and the primary bedroom upstairs didn't have a door because the upstairs was basically just the primary suite. But when you would sleep at night, you would look into the hallway of this top floor. It looked terrifying to me. Even my fiance was like, oh, you would never sleep in this room with the hallway just open like this and looking out into the darkness. In my opinion, it is the perfect place for a ghost to stand and scare the crap out of me when I'm sleeping. And the I'm coming for you email, I feel like, mm, I don't know if I fully believe that part, but I do believe that ghosts and spirits can communicate through technology. I've heard a few stories where people get phone calls and like a spirit is on the other side and they, they're not talking in full sentences. They might say like one or two things, but I believe that they could definitely use technology. But let's say that you received an email from a ghost girl and it said, I'm coming for you. I would actually get out of that house. I have actually received phone calls at times where it's such a big coincidence, I don't even know what to believe. 
Like one time I remember when I used to be an extra on TV shows and you meet a lot of people that way because you never know who you're working with. I was talking to this one girl and we were just talking about like paranormal ghost stuff because we're both super into it. And she was telling me about how when she was younger and she was at a sleepover and the girls were doing that thing where they tried to make someone levitate above the ground with just like holding them by two fingers each. And she swore that she saw this girl levitate and she like immediately left after that because it was so creepy. And then all of a sudden, I get a missed call from a number that starts with 666. And I showed it to her and we were just so freaked out because how? Just how? I wish I were even making that up. I don't think I ever called that number back because I was too scared. And I get spam calls from time to time. But when a 666 number pops up, you don't you don't just gloss over that. And especially because we were talking about paranormal stuff and that popped up, it just, I don't know. I don't know. How would you guys interpret that? Because a part of me really feels like a spirit was trying to mess with me knowing that I was freaked out just having that conversation with that girl. And that's happened twice. I was actually just remembering this memory last night and it just, I, I don't know what to think of it because a part of me wants to be skeptical and it's like, this is just a mere coincidence. But another part of me that's the believer is like, I think I was really trying to be contacted in that moment, not by a specific spirit, but by a spirit or entity or something that wanted me to know that it was listening and it knows that I believe and that I'm scared. I don't know, but it was really freaky and I do believe ghosts can use technology. And Jade, I'm really glad that you were able to pray that away. I'm not really a religious person myself, but I still do believe that if you want to be protected and you ask for it, regardless if you are religious or not, if you are praying or not, that you are going to be protected. Whether it be from a spirit guide or a spirit or just the confidence in your energy, they're going to leave you alone. So thank you, Jade, for sharing your incredibly creepy story. The last story I'm going to share is true crime related, and this was sent in by Cooked Legos. Cooked Legos says, Okay, so I live in a small town where everyone knows everyone, so to me, it felt safe. My dad owned a pretty big property by the river and there was a way to get down to a boat landing slash peninsula slash dock from our backyard. Well, when I was younger, I would go down there all the time with my siblings and because it was our property, dad wasn't worried. Well, one day I went down there alone for some reason and I saw this really beat up red truck with no one in it. I walked down to the boat landing and saw a random man sitting on the peninsula with a plastic lawn chair and a tackle box. He was fishing. I walked over to him thinking it was a neighbor, but I looked and I didn't recognize him. He started talking to me, then asked if I wanted to go see his dogs at his house. I was about to answer when my older brother, 16 at the time, walked up behind me and said, Hey, dad's looking for you. Let's go. I started saying I wanted to see the guy's dogs, but my brother wouldn't let me. I didn't understand why at the time, but now I do. I never saw that guy again and we moved a few months later. I wanted to share this story because it's not a crazy outrageous story, but I feel like things like this happen every day. 
And that in itself is very terrifying. I think any man willing to lure a child out of their own home or or of their own property or away from their parents has ill intentions no matter what. I just feel like no sane, logical adult would tell a child to come to their house to see a dog or to eat candy or to have dinner with them because obviously their parents would never be okay with that, especially if you don't know them. If they're not a family friend or if they're not family, parents would never be okay with letting their kids go off with some stranger. And stories like this remind me that if I ever have a child to ingrain it in their head that no matter what an adult offers you, especially a man, no matter how great it sounds, they have candy for you, they have a really cute puppy they want to show you, no trusting adult would ever try to take you away from their parents. If they really wanted to give you something or show you something, a more sensible person would at least ask, well, you should make sure it's okay with your parents first. Let's go find your parents. Even then, don't ever accept any offer from a stranger. And I don't really knock this person for doing that, for wanting to go see these dogs because one, they're a kid. And two, they do live in a small town and I feel like smaller communities, they do function differently. But at this point, this is all this person knows is a tight community where everyone knows each other. And so they haven't really been presented with an untrusting person. Not to say that nothing bad ever happens in a tight community, but I feel like it's a little bit harder. And this, at the end of the day, all could have ended very badly. And I'm so glad that your brother stepped in and said you weren't allowed to go because you may have never had a chance to share the story, which is a really scary thought to have. If true crime has instilled any type of fear in me, it's the fear of creepy old men. And some psychologists have said that the consumption of a lot of true crime creates this like false fear that there are a lot of serial killers out there, which there aren't actually a lot in the grand scheme of things. But I feel like my fear in men being creepy towards women and kids in general is very rational. Men are really creepy. And who's going to disagree with me? I feel like that is a fine statement to say. And listen, I understand it's not all men. But I feel like most men, given the opportunity, they would do some creepy crap. They would do some creepy crap. I said what I said. Anyway, those are all the listeners' stories for this episode. So let's jump into some cookies and crime trivia. Let's talk about this ube scone. So ube is a flavor that has been popping up for like the past five years, it feels like, maybe longer. And it's become really popular. Ube is known for its iconic deep purple color, but before ube, taro had been around. In terms of dessert, ube and taro are kind of presented in the same way. They're both purple and they both have this light, subtle, buttery flavor. So the question is, true or false, is taro and ube the same thing? I will give you five seconds. That may have seemed like a trick question, but it is false. They are not the same thing. Apparently, they are not even in the same family. 
Ube, also known as the purple yam, is in the yam family, and apparently taro is a root crop from the Archaei family. I'm probably saying that wrong. But even though they're not in the same family, I feel like they can be used in very similar ways. I mean, they're both used in desserts. They almost kind of look like each other, but they are just different from each other. The more you know. The next trivia question is more paranormal since we talked about some ghostly stories. A lot of states and especially cities are known to be very haunted and I can't find like a definitive answer of which is the most haunted state but out of the four, which state is the least haunted? Is it A. Delaware B. California C. Texas or D. Missouri? I'll give you five seconds. And the answer is A, Delaware. So originally, I wanted to find what the most haunted state was, but across different articles, I was getting different answers. It was either Texas or California. And I realized that this was probably the case because Texas and California have huge populations. And across these different articles, they were rating hauntedness by the amount of haunted houses, the amount of ghost sightings. And yeah, I feel like if you're in a bigger state, of course you're going to get higher numbers because there's just more people. But I don't think that they are going to study this or rate this like per capita, which would be a more fair way of viewing how haunted a place is. But I feel like across the board, it seems like you can tell which states are the least haunted. In my mind, the East Coast is the most haunted coast in america and why wouldn't they be they are the older coast of the u.s so a lot more things have happened because they've had a longer timeline but apparently in some states yeah there's not much happening and in a way good for those states so that is all for this listener stories episode thank you to everyone who has sent in a story if you would like to send one in yourself whether it be a paranormal story true crime weird creatures just freaky stuff you can go to cookies-and-crime.com to send in a story there and also some tips for sending in stories it would be great if the stories can be longer than six sentences i know it already seems like a long story i promise you it's not please include periods in your stories i know that's a crazy thing to say but sometimes there's no periods and it seems like a run-on sentence and i have a really hard time reading through it so please just put periods where you think there should be periods and that's it so i hope you enjoyed this episode if you did make sure to follow and subscribe so that you can be one of the first people to listen to an episode when it comes out as always there's merch on the website make sure to follow me on my socials and i will talk to you guys next time stay safe out there everyone is talking about magnesium it's all you hear about but why What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, the trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. 
Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.